Welcome to the Redbird Review, hosted by Bryson French. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 10 of the Redbird Review. This podcast is your home for Cardinals baseball news and opinions, and I am your host, Bryson French. This podcast is sponsored by The Third Out. Today is June 16th, and it is a beautiful day for baseball. So we're 10 episodes in, guys. It's the 10th episode of the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for the support. I feel like we've grown with some steady pace. Um, a lot of stuff coming over from the Instagram page. Um, as you got, as most of you probably know, um, posting reels over there. I think that's been a good way to grow. So make sure you're sharing those, liking those. It helps a lot. It helps get the word out about this. And with that, let's get into this episode. Um, I think I, what did I, I forgot to post a video before we started our series with the Pirates. It was kind of one where the Reds finished one day and the Pirates started the next. There wasn't an off day in between. And I got swept up in some things and I just didn't have time to put together or put out an episode until like after game one of the series was over. So I put it off till now so that gives us a whole lot of stuff to talk about today. But in future episodes, I still want to talk about, you know, the Cardinal stars, you know, Goldie, Arenado. We're going to have to have a discussion about Tommy Edmond. We're going to have a little bit of that discussion now and we need to go back and talk about prospects again about the ones who are you know still in the minor leagues um, obviously we've had our rookie discussion and they're going to keep coming up they're they keep playing well but we need to talk about the guys in the farm system and we're going to get them some love at some point but with series previews like that's kind of what i'm doing right now um i think the series previews are just a a, a good thing to go over honestly um so we go back and we look at the last series and then we go forward and we look at the upcoming series and since we forgot to do an episode or i forgot or didn't get to do an episode last time we're going to go back and we're going to look at the last two series we're going to look at the cardinals versus the reds and then we're going to look at the cardinals versus the pirates so starting with the reds the reds were first we claimed first place in the division guys finally now we claimed first place in the division on friday and Andre Pallante looked great on the mound. He dueled with Castillo, or Castillo and um, Helsley is, you know, is just really establishing himself as a great closer, came in and finished that game. So, you know, that game was really encouraging because of Pallante, and, you know, we really just have had rotation problems, so it's nice to see another guy getting in there. But he got into some problems later on in the week, as you guys probably know, closer to the time of this recording. He had, a, he had a recent issue, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Game two was Wayno versus Green. Uh, the Reds jumped out early, but we've been seeing the Cardinals show a lot of resilience, I think. And that is, that's honestly really great. Obviously, we haven't been playing the best teams. You know, it's the Pirates and the Reds, not the greatest. But there's been a lot of resilience and a lot of comebacks and stuff like that, and it's awesome. So we're playing, um, you know... We're playing in a way where we're never out of a game, especially against these teams, no matter how much we're down by, and that was nice. There is, you know, just confidence whenever we come up to bat that we can score however many runs we need. So, Wayno may have given up, or Wayno gave up three runs, but he is, you know, he's still eating innings. He's doing well. I did kind of pick up on the fact that he was getting beat up a little bit in Chicago, even though he didn't, I think he gave up like one run against Chicago. He was getting hit hard, and he. I don't want to say he struggled against the Reds, but he got a no decision and three runs given up. Not the perfect outing, but it's all right. Now, O'Neal got another hit on a pitch that was outside. 
So he's he's really proven himself that he can hit those pitches. I'm beginning to think he is. He, he may have listened to my episode about him. But then Tommy Edmond uh, with the walk-off home run. And honestly, Tommy Edmond should be an MVP. Uh, I don't know. What should I say? An MVP finalist, MVP top three, an MVP favorite. I don't know what word you want to use there. He should be in the MVP conversation, though. He's probably not even going to be a, a starter in the All-Star game. And if you want our whole theory on why he's not going to be a starter in the All-Star game, go listen to our episode on the third out, basically talking about why certain players are going to get robbed because, you know, there's a player in New York and a player in L.A. who get more attention despite the fact that they're not playing as well. So if you look at the MLB All-Star page, I mean, just go into it a little bit here, you see, you know, if you're voting for your All-Stars, you see batting average, home runs, RBIs, OPS. And by looking at those stats, it really does look like Lindor and Turner are the only solid options at shortstop in the National League. But if you look at war, and for those of you who don't know what war is, it's wins above replacement. It is kind of like the ultimate baseball stat where they combine like everything, defense, you know, you even factor base running in. Like everything is worked into war. And it combines everything and comes up with your total value. He leads all position players in the league. He's second to only Sandy Alcantara, total war. And obviously Sandy's a pitcher. Um, so basically that means he is the most valuable player in the league, really. And, you know, Turner and Lindor have a 1.8 war, and Edmund has a 3.7. So, like, he doubles them, basically. Now, you, like... He doubles the other shortstops, but he's even better than the other guys. Like Machado, who is an MVP favorite, has a 3.4. So that's somewhat close. Um, you know, Edmund may have a lower home run, you know, less RBIs, less OBS, but he has a higher war. And it's really, it's a lot of defense. It's a lot of base running, a lot of stuff like that. A run scored is a big thing. Um, his ability to score runs when other people wouldn't score runs. So those things... Those things really factor into the war. Um, yeah, Goldschmidt, obviously, we know he's on MVP pace. He's the really becoming the MVP favorite right now. Machado's kind of cooled off. Um, and it could be a whole discussion, but I really don't want to have a discussion between which of the Cardinals deserves to be the MVP more right now. We can have that discussion at a later point in time. That would be a fun discussion to have. But there's a side to it for both of them. But if you're looking just at war, which is the biggest stat and the most meaningful stat... It goes to Edmund. Now, if you look at you know who's the best hitter in the league right now, that's that's Goldschmidt. So, you know whatever you want to look at. Point being, they both should be starters in the All Star game. So if you're gonna go fill out your ballot, go for it. Go for your guys here. We need some love. Um, moving on. War also factors in stolen bases. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Done talking about war. Basically, Tommy Edmund needs love. He should be the starting shortstop. It shouldn't even be close, but he may get robbed. I would be upset about that, and I may have to film an Instagram reel about that if that happens or if it starts to happen that way. Now, Jorge Mateo is the only player with a higher defensive war. So he is, like, a lot of a lot of Edmonds points come from defense, but he is hitting well. He's, you know, he may not be hitting as well as Judge and those other guys, Um the reason his war is higher is because of his defense, but he does have a high. He has the highest offensive war among shortstops, 
and he has the second highest defensive war in the league. So, yeah, combine those things. Edmund is incredible. Let's just, you know, appreciate him. Let's just love on him. You know, celebrate what he's doing, man. He, he looks amazing. So that's game two, really. Game three versus the Reds. Dakota Hudson, king of ground balls. I think he got three double plays to start the game. Like, in the first three innings, he had three double plays. Then kind of fell apart in the fourth inning a little bit, just kind of falling apart late. And, you know, we almost had a comeback, but we left, you know, we got left one run short. Tommy Pham really, you know, he went off all weekend. And he's kind of this chip-on-the-shoulder type of player. He, you know, feels like the Cardinals betrayed him or didn't value him, and he takes that personally, and he's going to play better in those series. It's kind of a shame he can't play like that all the time, but I'm glad he's kind of not with the Cardinals because there are some questionable things going on with him, some questionable things he's done recently. But then at the end of that game, in Game 3, Yepes showed some clutch. He had his two-run home run with two outs in the ninth. Unfortunately, we were down by three. So it only it helped. It was nice, but it wasn't enough to tie or win the game. So then we move on to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh came to town, and resilience continued. I mean, Monday, the lack of rota- rotation depth really hurt us. Uh, I kind of predicted that Zach would only get four innings, and that's exactly what he did. He gave up one run over the first four, but then he got smoked in the fifth. So he got left out there longer than I wanted him to. I only wanted him to get left out there four innings. He went out to went out for the fifth inning and got just smacked, honestly. The offense did pick him up, though. Donovan just hits. Man, another rookie. So many great rookies that we have. Um, we are really blessed with that. Tyler O'Neill back to steal on bases. Dylan Carlson hit, hit a home run. He's back. He's healthy. Um, I really don't think Dylan Carlson has scratched the surface of his potential, so it's nice to see him you know, doing stuff like that. He could be a great leader on this team, especially in the future. So, yeah, it's just great to see. Great to see Carlson here. Then we had a three-run home run for Goldie. Oh, excuse me. The three-run home run was for Carlson. I think Goldie's was a solo shot. And, yeah, Goldie just looking like the best hitter in baseball. Pitchers are still challenged. Something I noticed when watching this game. Pitchers are still challenging Tyler O'Neill with pitches down and away. He does swing and miss a good bit at those pitches. He is especially liable to chase off-speed pitches or breaking balls going towards the dirt down and away. But he's getting hits out there now. Whereas before, he would just swing and miss at those or completely whiff or just watch watch him go by for strikes. He couldn't touch them. Now he's at least hitting them when they're left in the zone. He still chases a lot, but he is hitting the ones that are mistakes and left over a little bit. So progress there, um, you know, it's it's good. I'm fine with it. Just saying he, he does chase a little bit going towards the outside. You know, he had a little bit of trouble with that in that game. Now, Tuesday's doubleheader, game one, Liberator looked okay. He only went five innings, which put a lot of pressure on the bullpen, especially on the day of a doubleheader. But then, you know, the offense picked it up. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, he had three home runs in one day, in two games, over this doubleheader. So that's why he's the favorite for the MVP, honestly. Like, there is an intimidation factor with him. His war may be lower, but it's because first base, they don't factor defense the same. Um, 
but yeah, he's just such an intimidating pitcher, like, or excuse me, hitter. Pitchers really feel like you can't leave anything over the plate. Like, you make a mistake, he's going to hit it. There's nothing you can get away with. Um, so that's really what Goldie's got going on for him. Then Yachty broke the record most putouts in all of baseball, and it really just feels like he's, you know, breaking a record every night. So, I mean, obviously, love Yachty. I was a catcher. I was a catcher because of Yachty, pretty much. Um, that and, you know, catcher's like the coolest position ever. But he may not be what he used to be, but I just love having him still. So there was the whole calamity on the base path in that game. And I forget what inning it was, but it started to think we had runners on first and second. And then there was a balk, but it wasn't a balk called. Basically, the Pittsburgh pitcher, I forget who it was at this point, but he's set up in the in the windup. And if you know anything about, you know, baseball or like strategically about baseball, you know that you know if a pitcher's in the windup, if he makes that mistake and there's a runner on base, the runner is stealing no matter what. Even Yadier on his speed, he was stealing on first move. And so the pitcher started moving, you know, he started his windup and he stopped, realizing his mistake, and he stopped, which should have been a balk. Yachty had been taken off to steal and, you know, got picked off because the pitcher stopped and then realized Yachty was halfway between second and third. Got picked off. A balk was not called, but Yachty went up and, you know, was having an issue with the umpires, you know. And I was, you know, I live on the Pittsburgh end of things, so I was watching the game on the Pittsburgh broadcast. I was listening to their announcers, and they were fuming as well throughout this but basically you know the umpires got together and talked about it and then they went back and retroactively called a balk and sent the runners on and the pittsburgh announcers were like oh you know if you get it wrong you gotta stick with it you know i don't know you can't go back and change that but here's the thing about a balk call a balk happens and then the umpires you know they don't have to call it right away you know, a balk will happen. An umpire will, you know, stand up, call time, call the balk, and then move on. But this was kind of bang, bang. You know, the balk happened, and then there was immediately, like, a pickoff. And so the umpires knew they made the mistake in not calling the balk, and so they went back and they fixed it. And I don't see why it's such a big deal that they went back and got the call right. Obviously, they should have gotten the call right the first time, but you got to do what you got to do to make it right. You can't just be like, oh, we got it wrong. Can't fix it now. Sorry. We know we got it wrong. Like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so I think this is probably the first time ever that I've seen umpires actually change their opinion on something because it was after it was argued. But I, you know, I like that it happened. I like that they took the step to get it right, honestly. Like, that's what needs to happen. I think, you know, we watch so much baseball and we see so many managers get ejected and stuff and nothing ever happens, right? Like no umpire like ever changes their mind or changes the call. You know, we have replay now, so that does, but like we never see an umpire change his mind or change the call. So it's nice to see that they actually can, they actually can change something. So there is a point to going out and arguing, I guess. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that. So then, you know, the bulk was called runners moved to second and third. They walked the batter Bases are loaded, and then we had we had a ground ball. There were two outs in the inning, 
had a ground ball, and I'm going to try to describe this as well as I can. Um, ground ball to the shortstop. Obviously, they just had to flip it to second to get the force out because the bases were loaded. They flipped it to second. Nolan Gorman was running, and he ran straight through the bag, not slowing down at all. Like, didn't slide, didn't, like, jog in, duck out of the way, any of that. He just, like, straight up ran through the bag as if he was going for the left field foul pole, basically. Like, didn't even take a turn towards third. He was just straight, going straight through. So they did that, and he was actually safe. He actually beat the flip that way because he didn't slow down. Now, what that allowed was for, you know, the fact that the force play didn't happen. The run then scored. And so it's a strategic play, honestly, brilliant, and, you know, allowing the runner to score. And what they said, you know, what they were saying on the broadcast and stuff is the Cardinals have been working on this and talking about this for a while. They've wanted to do it. And even the Pittsburgh broadcast, I think they were talking about how the Pirates have been working on this and trying to come up with the opportunity to do this as well. This is like big brain baseball and like we may it may be a long time before we ever see it again because the the amount of times to where it actually like has benefit aren't that often because it's got to be in a situation where you're you're going to score a run right because you're getting out one way or the other like you're you're delaying the out basically that's all you're doing like you're plowing through so you don't get the force out but you're going to get in a run down you're going to get out the next base so basically, the only benefit it has is if you're going to score a run in that time. And so bases loaded, two outs, is the only time when this is, like, beneficial. Or maybe bases loaded one out if you're fearing a double play. But, like, bases loaded two outs is the only time where this is really, really beneficial. And so we came across that opportunity. We were the first team in the MLB to do it. If the Pirates and the Cardinals were both talking about how they've been working on it and planning on doing it, I imagine there's other teams in the MLB who are prepared to do this as well. I don't know that it's something we'll see that often, though, just because of the rarity of the situation. Uh, you know, you need a bang-bang play with the bases loaded, with two outs. You know, it's not going to be the most common thing ever. But we may see it again. You know, once or twice a year, though. You know, it'll be interesting. Moving on. I guess it could be first and third. It doesn't necessarily need to be the bases loaded with two outs, but basically you just got to have a runner on third. Moving on. Game two of the day. Quick support. Tommy Edmond, leadoff home run. First pitch he saw. Then Goldie had one, had a home run in the first inning. And then he had a home run in the second inning. So he had three home runs in two innings. Or excuse me, two, two home runs in, in, in the game. Third home run of the day. And, I mean, really, just again, any mistake is just what he's hitting. Now, on the mound, Michaelis. I mean, you guys probably know. Again, it's been the big, the big headline. What an outing for him. I think we all wanted him to go all the way. We all wanted him to get it. I wanted him to get the no-hitter. But that would have been, it would have been so exciting. You know, he made it down to the final strike. It was, it was incredible. But no hitter aside, as sad as it was that he lost it, it was just a great outing for him. And it was so crucial 
that he got the pressure off the bullpen because, again, Libertor only lasted five innings. And a doubleheader, that is hard, the heavy task to put on your bullpen. So he gave them a rest. It was big. And then, I mean, that was that was just how the how that day ended. Um, on an amazing note, obviously a big win there in that game. So last game of the series, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty's back. It's great to have him back, honestly. Love having him on the mound. Um, I did say beforehand, I don't think I said this on air, but I said this to a couple friends and stuff. I'm just glad to have him back in the rotation. Obviously, I say this over and over again, our rotation is hurting right now. It's really uncertain. We don't know who's going to be going out there half the time. It's good to have him back. And if he doesn't look his best in the first start, it's whatever. You know, it's fine. It's one start. It's right off an injury. Whatever. And so he went out there. He did have a little bit of trouble. He got beat up early. It really was kind of him struggling to hit spots and then errors by the defense. Andre Pallante came back in from the bullpen. I guess he's probably the pitcher who would have started today, maybe, had it not been for Flaherty coming back. Maybe that's why he came out of the bullpen. Anyway, you know, he just started not that long ago. So he didn't go that many innings, though, in this in his start. And obviously coming out of the bullpen, not many innings either. But he gave up the home run to Reynolds, and then Carlson hit another home run. So it's good to have Carlson back. And, you know, again, I'll say it again. Maybe now is the time where Carlson starts living up to his potential because he had another two home runs that we're talking about in this podcast, two big ones. Um, but, yeah, errors hurt the team. Flaherty didn't look his greatest, but it's his first start back. Palante was in the bullpen, so... I mean, he's looked better on the starting mound. You know, it's whatever. Even though it wasn't a win, I'm fine with it. You know, it's, I don't want to say encouraging, but it's not that discouraging because normally our defense is good. And Flaherty isn't going to be like this. He's not going to be missing his spots the whole time. It's understandable. I don't think defense and Flaherty missing spots are things to really worry about. So I'm not overly worried with that loss. Would have been nice to win. Obviously, it's always nice to win. But that's how that was. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Brewers here a little bit in the middle. Again, as I always say, we got to keep them in view. Got to know what they're doing. Got to, you know, obviously it's more important where they are now in the standings um, now that we're in first. But they have they've had their struggles and it continued into their series with the Nationals. So Brewers versus Nats game one. Brewers came in really cold, but it was the perfect opportunity for them to break out of it, right? Like, their struggles may have continued, but it was a perfect opportunity for them not to continue. So you had Ashby, who I spoke really highly of. Uh, He goes out there for game one, and he got destroyed by the Nats. And you could see the frustration on Omar Nevaez's face. Every time a a pitcher misses their spot and threw one over the middle of the plate... He would just, like, drop his head, throw his glove down. Like, he was showing visible frustration. He was really upset, and that's unusual for a catcher to show that much frustration. So the Nationals put up 11, and, I mean, a lot of of bombs, a lot of of big hits. So 
the Nats capitalized on the defensive mistakes as well early in the game, kind of pushed the innings onward to where they could hit the bombs later in the game. Um, and then, yeah, Nevaez's frustration is really just showing how bad the team is feeling right now. Um, you know, kind of peaked in the sixth inning as well for him. So Saturday's game, they lost again. Uh, they they walked Soto with the bases loaded. Then they had to face Cruz. Cruz hit a double. And so, this, I mean, really just Lauer was, Lauer was getting smoked, which is kind of becoming the usual thing. He's going to pitch again this upcoming weekend. But he has, I don't know, he he hasn't pitched that well. Excuse me, Lauer's pitched well. He got smoked. It's unusual. I'm thinking Hauser. I always get Hauser and Lauer confused. Lauer got smoked on Saturday, but it's kind of unusual for him because he's normally the better one of the two. Soto, Cruz, and Bell went back-to-back-to-back, and that's honestly, like, for as bad a team as they are, that is an amazing trio of hitters right there. Amazing, amazing talent, those three in the lineup. Rowdy Telez, uh, he was fuming as they lost the game. Kind of, Nevias had the frustration in game one, and Rowdy Telez was getting really frustrating in game two. Um, just frustration from the streak, and they had lost so many games. Like, that was really what the frustration was coming from. Little things going wrong, and it was just really just crumbling them. Alexander pitched well, and, you know, he doesn't take many innings. That This was Sunday's game now, talking about Alexander. Um, he and the bullpen were able to carry home the victory. McCutcheon with a bomb. Love seeing McCutcheon out there. Love seeing him do great stuff. Hayter then struck out to the side in the ninth inning. So the Brewers got back to their winning ways. Um... You know, they had a win against the excuse me the Mets on Wednesday. They had an off day, lost game one to the Mets, got shut out before, but then they won again on Wednesday. With of course Corbin Burns was on the mound Wednesday. Makes sense that they would win with Corbin on the mound. Errors extended innings, which allowed the Brewers to score a lot of runs. But they had another game. They have another game on Thursday, which is the day I'm recording this. So I'm probably going to put this out before that game even happens, but you guys are probably going to be listening to this after that game's been played. So I won't even bother predicting the game because you guys can probably just look at your phones and see how it went and see just how wrong my prediction would be if I did talk about it. So, yeah, as of right now, the Brewers have split the Mets, you know, one game apiece. Uh, they did get shut out in one game, and then they scored 10 runs in the next. But again, I said defensive errors kind of extended innings. That's why they scored so many runs in the second game. All right. Now the Brewers, again, they play today, which is Thursday. I almost said Friday. Today is Thursday. The Cardinals have the off day. The Brewers play the Mets again today. Then Friday, they go to the Reds. Again, we just left the Reds last weekend. So now the Brewers are there. It's going to be really hard for the Cardinals to maintain first place through the weekend as, you know, we play the Red Sox and the Brewers face the Reds. But it's I don't think it's really going to matter. We're going to come out at the end of this series basically the same as the Brewers in the standings. It's going to be really close. And then we play the Brewers in a series after this. So it'll come down to that. It'll come down to the series after this more so, where we land in the standings. But game one, Friday's match, Lauer versus Green. Obviously, Lauer, I just said, he got kind of beat up the other day by the Nationals. But I would look for him to bounce back. He is a good pitcher. Green also has ability to be really good. So I'm kind of marking this game as a toss-up because you never really know how Green is going to do. 
it's always hard to say what a pitcher is going to do after he has a bad outing as far as how loud he's going to do. So really just a lot of uncertainty in this game. Either one of them could have an amazing game, honestly. Laura has not been the greatest recently, but, you know, I think the Brewers are trying to get back on track, and Lauer is obviously a key part of that. Saturday, Alexander versus Ashcroft for the Reds, and obviously Alexander got the win last Sunday for the Brewers. This is where I kind of expect the Reds to have their best opportunity, though, even though Alexander has looked good, so is Ashcroft. Now, Ashcraft will, you know, I think he'll have a bounce back after his last start against the Cardinals. I think Alexander will pitch well as well, but he won't go as many innings. Going to put a lot of pressure on the bullpen for the Brewers. Now, the Brewers do have a mighty bullpen, but I don't think the Reds are going to have to rely on their bullpen as much, and I think, you know, the Reds have a decent offense. They might be able to give the Brewers' bullpen a little bit of trouble just with how many innings they're going to have to go out there for. Um, you know, I think this is just a good chance for the Reds. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but it's a good chance for them. Um, you know, the Brewers, I don't think, you know, in game one, the Brewers should score a solid amount of runs. Game two may not have as much success with runs. Game three is Hauser versus Miner, and this is going to be probably a more high-scoring game. And this is, again, where I think the Reds have even a better chance of winning because I think the Reds have the better offense, honestly. And I know they didn't start out the year with a good offense, but they're heating up. Their offense is getting good. Um, they're getting guys back. Stevenson's back. India's back. Votto's back. All those guys are hitting well. Tommy Pham's heating up. Like, this is an offense that can be pretty good. And in, in a matchup where it's Hauser versus Miner and neither one's pitching well, there's going to be a lot of runs, probably. And so I would just hand it to the best offense. And I think that's actually been the Reds recently. I mean, the Brewers are getting shut out a good bit. A good bit. They're having trouble scoring runs, or they'll score a lot of runs. They really don't do much in between. So we'll see how this goes. But anyway, I would expect the Reds to probably walk away with Game 3. They have a chance to walk away with Game 2. But the Brewers will probably walk away with Games 1 and 2. So the Brewers are probably going to win two games. There is, again, a reasonable possibility they could only take one game, though. So we'll hope for that, obviously. Cardinals versus the Red Sox. This is the big one. It's what we're going to finish with, guys. Obviously, the Cardinals are what we're here to talk about. It's going to be a really good series. The Red Sox are scorching hot, and they have the second-best run difference in their division, despite being in fourth place in their division. They're in fourth place in their division, and they also hold a wild-card spot. It's incredible. They've had their struggles early on in the season, and they have had their struggles against good teams. I would like to see the Cardinals do something big here, kind of prove that we can do it against a, against a good team, because we struggled against the Rays, you know. And we're 5-5 five and five in our last 10, really, because of what the Rays did to us. But we've looked really good against the Pirates and, you know, the Reds. I want to see us do it against a not-so-good team. Um, a lot of the reason that the Red Sox are heating up is because of just the schedule they've had in the month of June. They've played Oakland in two series. They've played the Angels in a four-game series, and they played the Mariners in a three-game series. And then before that, they had the Reds going back to last month. So not exactly a hard schedule. I actually like probably one of the easiest schedules 
or month of June to start out with easily. So that's a nice road trip. A lot of those games are away. Now Oakland is in Boston, but a lot of those games are away. And I think the big thing with that is they're just learning how to win. Like, that's a big deal in baseball. Like, obviously, you're major league players. You know how to win. But if you get in that groove, you're playing really well, you're beating up on a lot of bad teams, you're getting hot, you can carry that into a good team and I think have a really good chance against a good team. Because you just have that feeling, you know what it's like, you know what it takes, and then you can walk in and be a good team. The Cardinals are that test for them. You know, they've done it against the bad teams. Again, obviously, they've smoked Oakland. They've smoked the Angels, who were really cold. They've smoked the Mariners, who were pretty cold. Now they walk into St. Louis, and they're they're looking to say, can we keep it up against a good team? That's obviously what they're going to try to do. They're going to play us, and I think they go back to playing bad teams after that. They go back to, like, Baltimore and, you know, a bunch of not-so-hot teams after after us. Now, looking just at the Red Sox offense breaking down kind of a player-by-player player look. Verdugo and Dahlbeck are finally producing. They got off to a terrible start, but they're finally producing now. J.D. Martinez and Bogarts are finally heating up to be the stars that the team needs them to be. And, of course, we know Rafael Devers is playing like the MVP. He's probably the leader in AL MVP, obviously judge in that conversation as well. But Devers does have the higher war at this point in time. So game one, which is Friday will be Waka versus Wayno, and I am excited to see Waka again. It's kind of unfortunate that he's facing us because I'm a big Waka fan. He's really good right now, and I guess that's kind of unfortunate as well because I want to see him thrive. I want to see him have success. I just don't want to face him when he's having success. Like, can't he just have success against everyone else and then have trouble against us and then go back and have success against everyone else? So... I don't know. He's looked good all season. He's got a sub-3 ERA. His last three games were the Mariners, the Angels, and the Reds. So, obviously, he's looked pretty good against them. Had a little bit of trouble against the Mariners' offense, which is understandable. I think he may be showing signs of cooling down. He's not ready to face a lineup as hot as, hot as ours. I think we can do what the Mariners did, if not a little bit more. And I think that should give the Cardinals a good chance. Wayno obviously, has done pretty well for us lately. He is kind of in a similar situation where he'll just give us seven innings of three-run three, three run ball. His last three starts have been no decisions, but I think he can, you know, keep us in the game till we get to the bullpen, and I trust our bullpen, and I trust our offense late in the game. So Wayno has, has pitched exactly seven innings over his last three games. Excuse me, not over. Seven innings in his last three games. So, you know, I expect another seven, in, seven innings from him imagine that's what we'd get so if we take another quality start here from him i think i think we can win this game game two this will be hudson versus crawford now i love this matchup and i think the cardinals can win this one kind of an easier matchup than walk of the day before crawford is less experienced he has five innings in his one start against seattle which looked really good he didn't give up a run in his one start but he has a 6.6 ERA in his last 13 innings. Again, coming out of the bullpen for a lot of what he's done. So even if he pitches well, I don't think he's going to last that long. Um, I mean, if you go, you know, if you have a scoreless outing and you only go five innings, I don't, I don't expect him to last that long here. He's kind of a bullpen guy. Um, 
we'll see how long Waka goes tonight before, but the, the bullpen for the Red Sox might be in trouble early. But I don't know. I think Hudson will go deep. Crawford won't. And I think, again, it comes down to bullpens. I like the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals late in the game. I think the Cardinals can take a second one. Now, game three. This will be Pallante versus Pavetta, Nick Pavetta. Now, I guess we're not expecting Pallante to go long because he threw yesterday. He threw Wednesday in relief. But he's listed as our starter right now, so we'll see what happens. Um, I like that he's still in the rotation. I wish he hadn't come in relief, but I guess he needed some pitches just to keep him loose. I do trust him. Um, the concern for me is, you know, just kind of what happened, how much, how many innings is he going to leave upon the bullpen. Um, Pavetta, in his last two starts, he has pitched against the A's twice, and he looked really good against the A's, but then he pitched against the Angels and got beat up by the Angels. So, again, I think we can do what the Angels' offense can do, and, you know, we should be all right, but Pavetta, is, he looks good. Overall this season, he has been heating up, so keep an eye on him this game. He's got a .79 whip over his last seven starts. What I would predict for this series as a whole, I think we win two games. I think we win game two probably more certainly than game one or three. The thing about game one and three, we have a chance to win them both. I don't think we win them both, but we have a chance to win either one. I just don't know which one. Um... You know, Waka is really good, but so is Wayno. I have a lot of question marks with Palante, but I have a lot of question marks with Pavetta. So I'm not really sure where to go in games one and three, but I think we can pick up two. And again, it would be great to take three here. And I think we have the ability. We have the team that could do it. But the Red Sox are hot again. We'll see what they let us do. I'm looking forward to the series. I don't think it really matters how we do because we're going to end basically tied with the Brewers for the division. And then we'll go into a series with the Brewers. And I think where we stand after that series is really more important than where we stand before the series. So those are my thoughts on the series, guys. Make sure to come back. We'll get another series preview out before we face the Brewers. That is going to be a big one to talk about. And it'll probably be a shorter episode because I won't have to talk about the Cardinals and the Brewers separately because they'll be facing each other. So, yeah, let's get some wins. And go Cardinals.